0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Brian Post devotional uh, podcast. We are going through the book of Corinthians, and we're now at chapter 3, looking at verses 18 to 23, and I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness, and again... The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world of life or death. The things present or the things to come, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Paul begins by urging the Corinthians not to deceive themselves. Paul is saying that... The, that Uh, Paul is saying here that if anyone thinks they are wise in the world's terms, they should become a fool by worldly standards. Becoming a fool for Christ means letting go of the need for self-reliance, pride, and reliance on, that's right, human wisdom. Until this point, Paul has been contrasting the wisdom of the world with the wisdom of God. And here, he makes another comparison between the wisdom of God and worldly wisdom, saying that, The wisdom of the world is considered foolishness in the eyes of God. Paul then encourages the Corinthians to embrace the wisdom that comes from God rather than being swayed by the world's wisdom. In support of his argument, Paul quotes two passages from the only Bible that they had at the time, the the Hebrew Scriptures, and and, and the quotes are taken from from the book of Job and from the Psalms. The quote from the book of Job is found in Job 5.13 and says, He catches the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the coming comes quickly upon them. And the one in Psalms, uh, that's found in Psalms 94.11, states, The Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are futile. So, these Old Testament passages reinforce the idea that solely relying on human wisdom and worldly understanding is inadequate. Combining the implications of John, Job, rather, And Psalms, the passages in Job's and Psalms, we find a united passage about the limitations of human wisdom and the discernment of God. These passages highlight that relying solely on human wisdom and cunning is futile and can lead to downfall. God sees through the schemes and the thoughts of the wise, exposing their craftiness and rendering their counsel ineffective. This emphasizes the need for humility and recognizing our dependence on God. And seeking his wisdom rather than relying on our own understanding. So it underscores the importance of aligning our thoughts and our actions with God's wisdom, acknowledging his omniscience, and that means that he, he knows everything, and understanding that true wisdom comes from him. So in support of Paul's argument that true wisdom comes from God and that only those who rely on their and that those that rely rather on their own wisdom are ultimately deceived. And they're caught in their own craftiness. So then he goes on to say, "All things are yours." Now, people, people have taken the passage uh, or this statement, "All things are yours," out of context in various ways. One misinterpretation is to use it to justify uh, as a justification rather for materialism and an excuse for excessive worldly pursuits. Then shifting the focus away from spiritual growth, service to others, and aligning and aligning with God's will. Another distortion would be to view this passage through the lens of the prosperity gospel associating material wealth and success as signs of God's favor and guaranteed blessings. Well, such a perspective ignores the biblical teachings on contentment, stewardship, and and again, the priority of seeking God's kingdom over earthly treasures. Furthermore, there's a risk of interpreting the phrase, all things are yours, in an individualistic manner. Neglecting the communal aspect of the Christian faith, so this this interpretation could lead to a self-centered mindset prioritizing personal benefits while disregarding the call to love and to serve others. So when Paul says all things are yours, he emphasizes the spiritual inheritance and blessings that believers have in, in Christ. The New Testament passage, uh, uh, passage uh, the New Testament passages. Echo the message that believers in Christ possess a comprehensive spiritual inheritance and blessings. So, in Ephesians 1, for instance, chapter 1, verse 3, this passage emphasizes that believers have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, blessing, highlighting the richness and the completeness of these blessings. In Romans 8:32. Believers are assured that God gave his son, and in doing so, he will graciously provide all things. In Peter 1 3 uh, to 4, again, uh, Peter's affirming that God's divine power grants believers everything needed for life and godliness, allowing them to partake in the divine nature. Now, lastly, and this is just the ones that I have, but. Um, Colossians 2, we've been through Colossians 9-10, to states that believers have been filled in Christ, who embodies the fullness of deity, granting access to God's blessing and authority. So so these passages, along with others, support the believer's comprehensive spiritual inheritance and emphasizes the richness and completeness of the blessings they have available to them in, in Christ. And then he ends with this statement, And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Well, next is a a powerful text which states that we believers, both individually and collectively, belong to Christ. At first reading this text seemed to us to be out of place, and we had a hard time to find a relationship to the rest of the passage. However, as we ponder the text and context, the relationship to the rest of the passage becomes clear. The context the concept of, rather, of believers being the property of Jesus Christ is stated here. The New Testament contains clear teachings that believers are, in fact, the property or the possession of Jesus Christ. And here are a few of them that illustrate this point. 1 Corinthians 619 20 Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit with whom, with, within, within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body then there's Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Again, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the last one we'll deal with is in Titus 2.14. It says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who were zealous for good works. Well, these passages in the New Testament make it clear that believers are not their own, but belong to God because of Christ's sacrificial act on the cross. They emphasize that believers are the possession of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 underscores that believers' bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit and are bought with a price. It calls believers to glorify God in their bodies. 1 Peter 2.9 describes believers as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for God's possession. This highlights believers' identity and purpose to proclaim the excellencies of God. And lastly, Titus highlights Christ's redemptive work, purifying believers for himself as a people for his possession who are zealous for good works. These verses emphasize that believers are set apart, redeemed, and ultimately belong to God as a possession of Jesus Christ. From the beginning, Paul has been addressing the divisions among the Corinthians. He's urged them to recognize their identity as followers of Christ rather than aligning themselves solely with human leaders. Now we can remember the report coming from Chloe's house. Some people were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Peter. By stating you are Christ, Paul emphasizes their belonging to Christ in unity with him. This affirms their identity as members of the body of Christ and encourages them to find significance and unity in him. Additionally, Paul's assertion that Christ is God's reinforces the hierarchical, the hierarchical relationship within the Godhead and emphasizes the importance of aligning with God's will. Okay, let's wrap this up. These words from the Apostle Paul are as relevant today as when he wrote them to the, to the Corinthians. In a world filled with competing ideals, ideas, ideologies, and, and wisdom, it's crucial to discern the truth and not be swayed by deception. In, in a world divided by various allegiances and ideologies, remember that we are Christ. This affirmation calls us to recognize our unity with Him and obey His teachings. Paul's message challenges us to reevaluate our understanding of wisdom here. If we think we're wise in the world's eyes, we must humble ourselves and become fool, fools by, by worldly standards. And this means letting go of the self-reliance, the pride, reliance on human wisdom. The wisdom of this world is considered foolishness in the eyes of God. And true wisdom comes from Him alone. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Breein Post podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion and it's brought you some encouragement and insight. Hey, if you want to stay up to date with all of our latest blogs, posts, and podcast episodes, be sure to visit Brianpost.ca and subscribe. Don't forget to share our website with your friends who might need some inspiration or motivation. You can also join our community of bright future Bible freaks on Facebook. Until next time, may peace and blessings abound in your home.